Welcome to Schnepps Connects. We have a great show for you today. If you're interested particularly in what's happening in the restaurant industry post-COVID, Roar, which is Restaurants Organizing, Advocating, and Rebuilding, was founded during the pandemic in March 2020 um, by a group of industry professionals fighting for unemployed restaurant workers facing financial hardship and to advocate for an industry in crisis. This episode, I talk with Andrea Strong, Roar's first executive director, about a category of business severely impacted by COVID. In May 2021, Roar welcomed veteran food journalist, advocate, and former attorney, Andrea Strong, as its executive director. Known for a pioneering food blog, The Strong Buzz, Andrea has covered the intersection of food, business, policy, and the law, writing for The New York Times, Food and Wine, New York Magazine, Eater, and more. Andrew also brings a proven track record in grassroots advocacy, founding the New York City Healthy School Food Alliance in 2018, which focused on holistic school food reform across New York City. Working with the Office of Food and Nutrition Services, the Mayor's Office, and the City Council, she successfully introduced a scratch cooking implementation bill in March 2020. Andrea comes to Roar with a passion for the restaurant industry and a rare combination of experiences that will consolidate Roar's position as a leading change agent to strengthen the future of our New York City restaurant community. So Andrea, it's great to have you on the show. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for that lovely introduction. No, it's our pleasure. That's that's all about you. So all good things to say. But if you can, share a little bit about your background and how you got into advocacy. Yeah. So as you mentioned in your introduction, I started my career as a lawyer and have always sort of looked at the world, I think, as an advocate. And when I find things that bother me, I try not to just complain about them, but to make some impactful change. I've been covering the restaurant industry as a reporter for 20 years. And when my kids started public school uh, and I became more familiar with school food in New York City and dug into the health consequences, particularly in communities of color around diet and obesity and heart disease and high blood pressure. It seemed to me like feeding children highly processed bag to oven foods was probably not in their best interests. Mm -hmm. So I just started advocating. I met with Bar President Eric Adams, who's now going to be our next mayor. I met, started meeting with city council. I wrote research papers, looked a lot into the health implications of food and, and a child's ability to learn and thrive and made a little bit of a dent in that issue before we were hit by the pandemic. They were supposed mm -hmm. to vote on our scratch cooking implementation bill in March. Wow. Uh, March 24th, 2020. So that never happened. And now obviously the world is in a different place and food insecurity is a huge concern in addition to nutrition. And then I had this opportunity to, to work with Roar in May, which has just been an incredible honor and privilege to join an organization that really is dedicated to the restaurant workers, uh, real heroes, especially during the pandemic, the people who are out there every day, can't work from home, are taking care of us as they always have. You know, that's what hospitality is. It's taking mm -hmm. care of people. So to be part of this group is really an incredible honor and privilege. And we've got a lot of great initiatives to introduce, and, and I'm, I'm sure we'll get to them in this chat. Yeah, terrific. So talk a little bit about, though, initially the, the founding of Roar and who was really the, the group responsible for bringing it together. 
Sure. So Roar was founded by four veterans of the hospitality industry, Camilla Marcus, who owns Westbourne, Adam Safer, who's a partner at Italy, Sean Feeney, who owns Lilia and Missy, two restaurants in Williamsburg, mm-hmm. and Dana Cowan, who was the former editor-in-chief of Food and & Wine and hosts the podcast Speaking Broadly, really influential people in our hospitality industry. And they came together at the wake of the pandemic and said, you know, our people can't get unemployment. The phone lines are are tied up. There's no government assistance that they can access right now. They have families. They're our family. And we need to raise money so that they can put food on the table and pay their rent and take care of their people. So they started grassroots fundraising and also started advocating for the industry when we were completely shut down, advocating for to-go alcohol sales, for outdoor dining, for the payroll protection plan, for the restaurant revitalization fund to remove personal liability from commercial leases. So putting out fire after fire and really, uh, you know, getting a seat at the table to preserve and protect the restaurant industry and to help the restaurant workers. We raised $3 million in our first year. Wow. um, Over $3 million that went out in $500 cash grants to over 6,500 restaurant workers. In addition, when vaccines were made available, we created the first ever mobile vaccine bus Mm -hmm. that went to restaurant workers in communities hardest hit by COVID. And to date, we have vaccinated over 50,000 New Yorkers, not just restaurant workers. Um, Was that available to anyone that was in those communities that the bus went to? Yes. Terrific. Yeah. So, you know, taking care of the health and wellness of our family of, of hospitality workers has always been our mantra from the get-go. And that continues today. And it's a massive industry in New York City. It doesn't take a genius to figure out when you're walking through any main street or any avenue and street in Manhattan that, you know, there's several restaurants in every block. But if I have this right, there's over 300,000 jobs associated with restaurants and 25,000 restaurants in the city of New York. Correct. Yes. That was in 2019. Yeah. So talk a little bit about the key to NYC, which has restaurant workers in the city that need to be vaccinated, as well as any patrons that come to, to eat indoors. Mm-hmm. How has that process been going? Um, I think that depends on who you speak to. Certainly, as you've probably and your listeners have probably read, you know, giving a host the job of gatekeeper on, on a public health matter is is challenging, especially for people who are vaccine averse and There have been incidents that have been very concerning to the safety of restaurant workers, but I think overall the restaurant teams have really stepped up and, you know, integrated and rolled with the punches. And for the most part, it's going smoothly. I think, you know, you show your vaccine card, you come inside and you have a wonderful meal and you're taken care of and you go out, leave the restaurant happier than when you went in. That's the, that's the goal of hospitality. Yes. Uh, I don't think it w- it's not ideal. And certainly the idea of the restaurant industry being some sort of police of vaccination, proof of vaccination was troubling and difficult, but I think we are weathering it well. We are here to support the city um, and we would like the city to support us as well. You talked about raising $3 million and you know supporting thousands of uh, laid off restaurant workers. Can you share a little bit about how you were able to raise those funds just to give other people a sense of, you know, that are advocates, how they can raise money? 
Well, I wasn't on staff when we raised the money, but uh, I can tell you that it was it was a grassroots effort. It was individual donors who had connections to their neighborhood restaurants. That's the thing about restaurants, especially in you know, in any community, but especially in New York City, restaurants become your your second home. There's that place on the corner that you go when you're falling in love, when your heart is broken, when you're celebrating your birthday, when an engagement, right. when you lose someone, you go to your restaurants. And I think so many diners in New York City have such strong connections and visceral, emotional, familial bonds with their restaurants. So raising money for the people that had taken care of them through their own life crises and joys was not a heavy lift. We were inundated with donations. I think so many people wanted a way, you know, a way to help. And this was a very concrete way to know that if you donate to Roar, your money is going directly into the hands of people who need it to feed, to buy groceries, to buy diapers, to pay rent. And so it really was an incredible groundswell of, of individual donors. That's terrific to hear. You talked about, obviously, the uh, the impact of the vaccination requirements and, and checking on that. But there's been a lot of other legislation that has been impacting the restaurant industry, the continuation of outdoor dining. Um, but what key pandemic-related legislation ha- has Roar influenced? We influenced a number of legislative initiatives, the extension to, of outdoor dining so that it was made permanent during this past year, the elimination, as I said, of personal liability in commercial leases. Previously, if you defaulted on a commercial lease, they could come and take your home, mm-hmm. they could take your property, they could attach your bank accounts. So, so thanks to Roar and in, in combination with our the New York City Hospitality Alliance has been a great ally of ours as well. And we, we do work together and support each other. So the elimination of the personal liability clause in commercial leases was a huge win for us. Also to go alcohol sales, that really was like more than a Band-Aid. You know, that was a full-on cast for Mm. a a broken industry um, to be able to sell cocktails and bottles of wine and create that program for many restaurants was was a lifeline. And the fact that it stopped when the pandemic was declared over and the governor's emergency powers were removed, that was an emergency order that that was rescinded. So we are pushing very hard in the legislative session in January to have a return to to go alcohol sales so restaurants can continue to sell cocktails, those beautiful cocktail kits. So much much money and, and effort went into creating those. And, and there's a huge inventory of cocktails and cocktail kits and, you know, just sort of sitting there and not able to be sold. So we're, we're really hoping that it's a universally popular program with everyone and that we can get that back going in January. You know, in terms of fighting for the workers themselves, what is the Roar Restaurant Worker Fund? The Roar Restaurant Worker Fund was the grant making fund that we filled um, during the first year of the pandemic. And that is now closed because people are back to work. Got it. We, we distributed all of the money to grantees. Uh, but now we have the Roar Restaurant Health and Wellness Fund. Um, and I can tell you a little bit about that if you'd yeah, like. Please, please do. So, as I said in the beginning, you know, the mission of Roar is really to take care of each other. Let's take care of the people who take care of you every night in restaurants. And 
we are experiencing a mental health crisis in our industry, across in every industry, with children, with adults. This pandemic has been brutal. And restaurant workers have traditionally not had access to affordable health care, mental health care, acupuncture, massage, child care, retirement savings, financial literacy. So what we are doing at Roar is fundraising for a holistic suite of health and wellness programs that will be available to restaurant workers in New York City, either free or incredibly deeply discounted. Our first partnership, which was announced two weeks ago, is with COA, which is an emotional fitness plan. It's a mental health gym. Mm -hmm. um, and we have secured 1,000 slots for a free emotional fitness class that is taking place on October 28th. Uh, this Thursday at 11 a.m. on Instagram Live. Fantastic. Uh, so anyone listening can go to our website, click on the health and wellness tab and sign up and join us. Dr. Emily Annault, who is a therapist and the co-founder of Roar, will be on really sharing coping techniques, ways to support yourself, self-care. And after that session, we will also be offering COA's eight-week emotional fitness class to 300 restaurant workers at a severely discounted rate. I think it's something like $15 a class. So that is also going to be available on our website. In addition, we'll be rolling out a partnership with a financial gym, giving 1,000 restaurant workers thousand. Sorry, I may not have the details right because my brain doesn't work so well anymore. But That's okay. Some sort of like three months free of one-on-one telehelp in finance. Like, how should you save so that you can pay your estimated taxes? Yeah. I want to retire someday. How can I do that? My kid needs to go to college. I have an idea for a restaurant. I need help writing a business plan. All of those services will be available to restaurant workers free of charge for three months through the financial gym. We are also working on discounted childcare programs, acupuncture, massage. So we're really trying to create a whole well of opportunity to bring access to health and wellness program to the restaurant workers so that they can work in our industry and feel better and thrive. Uh, we have a labor crisis in our industry right now for a number of reasons, but one of them is that this is a very difficult business. You're on your feet, you're working in, in a hot kitchen, it's incredibly stressful, the wages can, can oftentimes not be as high as they should be. So how can we make this industry one that is attractive to people, one that they feel taken care of and important? And health and wellness is the first leg of that. The second piece is wage reform. These are great services that you're offering. You know, sometimes you hear about those things happening in corporate America. So it's great to hear that you're coming together to support restaurant workers in that way. Thank you. Yeah, it's really exciting. I feel like our programs can be quite transformational and will have a long lasting impact on the industry and, and how it is run and how people thrive in it. How can our listeners contribute if they want to make a contribution? What's the easiest way to do it? The easiest way to do it is to go to Roar New York, New York's all spelled out, roarnewyork.org and click on the donate button. Easy enough. Talk to me about just what you feel. I mean, obviously your fingers on the pulse of the industry. What do you see in terms of sentiment now with restaurant owners? I mean, we're obviously getting to a point where a majority of people are vaccinated. 
Um, people are getting their boosters. Children will be at a point probably, you know, before, before the yeah. holidays, yeah, that they'll get vaccinated. I've seen new restaurants open. It seems that some restaurants are getting preferential leases at this point. But what are you seeing? I mean, is there still a lot of hesitation or do you see based on different owners being more aggressive now? I think it is extremely difficult to operate a restaurant right now in New York City. Mm -hmm. um, I think the people who are doing it are truly like just heroic. It's hard enough to run a restaurant in New York City on such a thin profit margin, but add, you know, now you have to check vaccine requirements of all your guests and handle, you know, disgruntled people and attitude and all of your employees have to be vaccinated and dealing with you know, breakthrough infection, and then also the changing landscape of city regulation, you know, our outdoor dining program, which is a lifeline for restaurants. And there are still people who feel more comfortable eating outside. We were just informed by the city that the fire department will not allow propane heaters on the sidewalks. Right. And right. that's a huge blow to restaurants. They've created these beautiful outdoor dining structures, and now they won't be able to use them. And the design process that's going on right now calls for restaurants will have to put up and take down their outdoor dining structures every spring and winter, and that they are not allowed to have roofs on them. So we are going to be involved and have a seat at the table to try and modify some of those regulations to make it easier on restaurants. But, you know, there are People who are in hospitality in New York City are devoted to the city. They want to bring it back. They are still here. They are fighting and they want to stay and continue to open more restaurants and bring creative concepts. But it's challenging. And we really would like to see the city start to support restaurants in a way that they haven't so far. You know, we are we are looking forward to working with future Mayor Adams and creating an environment where the Department of Health and the Department of Transportation are our collaborators, where it's not a, it's not a punitive antagonistic relationship, which is which it has been with with, you know, tremendous number of fines. Uh, let's work together to protect the health of the public, but also support the industry. Let's look at tax subsidies and tax credits for restaurants because they're still in crisis. They've lost a tremendous amount of money and they want to pay better wages and you can't pay better wages if your profit margins are, you know, two to 4%. Right. Well, listen, it's all great advocacy work you're doing. And I have to ask you one last question. It's a little maybe uncomfortable of a question, but I feel like people want to know mm -hmm. what would you say are any of your favorite restaurants in New York city. <laughs> and I'm sure you can have your neighborhood spot that, you know, not to insult uh, anyone else. Well, yeah. Can I, can I, list a few. Of course. <laughs> Obviously, all of the restaurants from my steering committee, but personal favorites right now are Chouquette, which just opened from the lovely people who own Cook Shop and Vix and Shuka and Rosie's. Chouquette is a Middle Eastern Israeli wonderland of, of food and flavors, and it's just a joyful, amazing experience. Mm. Saga, which just opened on Pine Street is an immersive, uh, beautiful, experiential dining experience. It is definitely a special occasion place, but right now we're in the year of yes. So take yourself there, go by yourself. Take anyone who you might even love at some point and just go. Those two are on sort of the 
really top of my list right now. Fulgurance Laundromat, which is in Greenpoint, is a really cool concept that came here from France. And that's where they give a chef, an up and coming chef, a residency for six months. Oh, wow. And it's just this beautiful little bistro, wonderful service, amazing, mostly natural wine list. And the chef, the first chef was Victoria Blamey, who's brilliant. And now they just started with Aaron Ginsberg. I think it's Ginsburg. Maybe it's Rosenberg. Oh God. Once again, my brain doesn't work that well. Aaron, forgive me if it's I- It's okay. Go. We can all look it up. Fulgurance Laundromat. That would be the next one. And I live in Carroll Gardens and I love Victor in Gowanus and Buttermilk Channel and La Sagone and French Louis and just eat out as much as you can. And it's the year of yes. Hug your people. And thank you so much for having me on and letting me share the Roar story with all of your listeners. Well, thank you for those suggestions. And most importantly, thank you so much for your advocating and everyone should go out and support their local restaurants. Thank you. Make sure to check out a new episode of Schneps Connects every week, wherever you get your podcasts or stream us online at podcast.schnepsmedia.com. <laughs>